Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. how this thing works. Folks, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be. How was Thanksgiving? Anybody have an okay Thanksgiving? Uh, my Thanksgiving was mostly good. Um, you know, there was some weird stuff that happened with, you know, family and me and, you know, my kids uh, celebrated with uh, their mom and stuff. So, you know, there was some, you know, weird weirdness uh, that you go through, but it was mostly good. Um, my dad, believe it or not, sent me a text wishing me a happy Thanksgiving, which is so bizarre because when you haven't talked to somebody in like quite a few years and then they just send you normal text messages as though nothing has happened. Um, <laughs> This is though you're not have been out of touch. Um, so that happened, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. There you go. You know, you get... Yeah, no, no, and it's funny because, yeah, some people are like, oh, isn't it great? And you're like, well, it's kind of great, but it also kind of makes me feel crazy. <laughs> like, what's going on? Um, so, I don't know. Hopefully, it's the beginning of, of uh, something, something cool, you know? I'm going to try to lower this just a wee bit. Um, oh, that's too much. And, uh, you never know. All right, there we go. Look like I'm doing public enemy television. Public enemy number one. Um, man, I got lights on and the lights not working. The sun's just too bright. Anyhow, anyhow, you know, family, right? Am I right? Um, yeah, it's tough. It touches, it, like it, like it tests like grace and, and, and like, you know, I think I should, eventually, we should do a talk about boundaries, grace and boundaries, you know, and having boundaries in your life, because I think that's really important. Um, but sometimes, you know, your boundaries meet somebody else's boundaries, and it's like, you know, what do you do in those moments? And uh, I guess that's where we're embracing, try to sit up here a little bit. I guess that's where kind of embracing compromise comes in, you know, and embracing uh, uh, contradictions and allowing that to be part of our our our, our daily life, you know. And uh, you know, finding common ground in in the midst of when our boundaries kind of bounce into each other. Um, anyhow. So a few nights ago, I was uh, having a hard time sleeping, but that's usually when I get a lot of good thinking done and when I'm able to kind of like really reflect on what I've been reading and different things like that. And uh, the Lord's Prayer was something that just hit me in the head for some reason. Um, and I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, let's... Yeah, I think we should talk about that. So today we're going to talk about that. And then I got, I was diving into Matthew, the book of Matthew. And um, for somebody who doesn't like the word church or pastor, I sure do talk a lot about the Bible. Um, and I was thinking about Matthew, the book of Matthew. And it's, I really, I think Matthew's my favorite gospel. I thought it was Luke, but I think I might be going Matthew. And there's some of you crazy folks who love John. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing, folks? It's a, it's it's an open game. Um, hey, just just an update in case I don't get to it at the end. Um, Revolution is still like financially just not doing good at all. Like we have not we have brought in 
maybe like $500, $600 in the past three months. And um, that's really low. And I'm really struggling myself with the question of is revolution, is it something that's outran its, its need? You know, are there enough? Or do people just want more extremes, you know? And I don't feel like we I really offer extremes except when it's like extreme inclusion and extreme grace, you know? So it's really been something hard to think about, like, uh, but I have to be honest, you know? And I have to be a parent of two wonderful kids and live my life. And so, you know, so I'm just, you know, trying to consider, like, is this something, you know, because, you know... I, I, it's funny because I, I look at my dad's, you know, people who used to condemn my dad and stuff. I'm like, oh, you gave away all this weird crap and promised all this stuff, you know. And you start thinking in your mind like, well, no wonder these guys do this crap. is because it's like almost impossible to raise funds for a nonprofit. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough. And it's tough to be a small one when at one time you were a bigger one. And... <laughs> You know, and you keep downsizing and downsizing and downsizing, and there's only so much downsizing that you can do. Um, so I'm not saying that to guilt you guys. I'm just letting you all know that that's the reality. That's the reality of, of what's going on. Um, that's why I asked some of you who I know are not financially able to support us is like, you know, if you can share our stuff and, you know, but it's like every month it's just like the two or three same people who share our stuff, you know, and and there's not a lot of folks sharing what's going on with revolution and there doesn't seem to be a lot of excitement around the, and then that might be my fault. I mean, it is my fault. I'm the pastor or I'm the leader, not the pastor. I don't like that word anymore. I'm the leader. So it could fall on me. It could be fact, the fact that I don't call it, want to call it a church right now. And I don't want to do that. It could be the fact that I'm trying to get, you know, we're trying to get liberals and, and conservatives working together. Um, so, you know, that's that's the thing that's the question is where is our place you know it feels like um it's like a mountain now i'm saying i'm not saying i'm going to give up you know i'll continue to do things and speak places and try to write books and and make things happen like i'm working on this documentary right now and i've got got two other ideas for documentaries that will hopefully be next um as well, um, working with friends, making films, which is a really exciting uh, thing. But I'm just, you know, wondering if revolution, you know, I've been doing this for, I guess since 1994, 95. I mean, my friends started it in 94. I think I joined late 94, early 95 when we started it and I'm the last man standing. Um, you know, uh, so we'll just, you know, something I'm going to think about and um, probably try to try to make a decision by, you know, maybe February of next year is to see if this is something that we need to do. Because, um, you know, even the people that who, who handle Revolution's finances, like I haven't even been able to get a hold of them. You know, it's just a lot's going on and it's getting really dramatic and I'm, you know, have to budget myself for you know, taking care of my children and stuff, and, and it's Christmas, and, you know, it's, everything is really tough right now for everybody. And um, unfortunately, this is the world we live in. And uh, we used to have uh, folks, you know, we used to have a foundation that supported us yearly, which was really great. Like, it was one of those things where I wasn't under the pressure of raising money because I hate raising money. Um, I hate doing that. Um, but it's, it's a necessity. It's not, I don't even want to say it's a necessary evil. I mean, you will get tax write-offs and all that stuff, and that's fantastic as well. But, you know, this is usually when, when people start giving is the end of the year. Um, but we're just not seeing it right now. And uh, so, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just... I, I, I wish I could say I have more peace about it. The only reason I don't have peace about it is because, you know... I've got two kids and I'm trying to, you know, make everything work. And uh, so it's just a transition in life. And I think we can all understand what those transitions are like. So 
I just wanted to put that out there and let you know, like that's, uh, you know, there's worries. There's uncertainty right now about what we're doing. Um, you know, I, I've been looking at affordable housing closer to the city, so maybe we could do something in the city because um, it's a bit of a drive for me right now. And I'd also like to be closer to my kids and closer to the city because I think we would do better maybe if we had a community in the city. Um, but there's just a lot. You know, I'm also working on this, you know, documentary, and, and it's another job for me to have, but I also have to travel a lot because of this job. Um, so anyhow... Enough of my woes, but that's just the reality. I don't know else how to raise funds, you know, like, except for telling the truth. Like, there's the truth, you know. I can't promise you a special mansion in the sky or a special room in, you know, close to Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, I can give you three free sins if you'd like. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know, maybe I could do, like, the revolution prayer cloth. <laughs> Does absolutely nothing, but you can pray with it. Um... Put your hand against the screen right now with me, you know. Pick some weird number and then we'll find a verse that coalesces with it and we can use that, you know. Um, so yeah, there you go. The best I can offer you is a tax write-off. <laughs> Thank you, government. Um, and we're such a small church that it doesn't really do much for us, so let it do something for you, you know. All right, well, um, let's get into Matthew today. Because I am excited about this. I, I'm, exci I'm always excited when I kind of have these like epiphanies in the middle of the night. And, and uh, I feel like I have like a, a, a staff, you know, like a sermon staff in my brain, you know. <laughs> and you're like, oh, Jay, we finally got a hold of you. You've been doing so much. <laughs> uh, we've got the sermon idea and we've written it up and here's some things to think about. And so that's where I'm at right now. Um, where I came up with, well, I was thinking about this the other night, and then Matthew is just, this book of Matthew is really cool. Do y'all notice I'm, I've gone, I'm wearing a little bit of color today. <laughs> a little navy blue for you, everybody. Ooh, thank What's that? Look out. Um, and I couldn't find my sermon book, so I've got my neon pink and my, my little book here. So we're just getting 80s-tastic. Um, but yeah, so, the, so, so what's interesting about Matthew 6, um, I believe it's 5, it starts, is it's about prayer. And, and so, um, hey, and it, you know, another thing I'm just going to say off the side, and if you guys have fundraiser ideas or things like that to help the church, I mean, to help, you know, I mean, we are a church because we're a nonprofit, but to help the gathering, and gathering just means two or three gathered together. That's why we call it Revolution Gathering. You know, post, you know, you can put it here or you can send a direct message to the Revolution Instagram or the Jay Baker Instagram um, you know, uh, we're putting up stories, you know, we put up clips of the talks, share clips of the talks and things like that. But, you know, maybe you have some ideas or maybe, you know, of a foundation that we could apply to, uh, for help, you know, um, that would be really cool. Um, we don't have a patron and the reason we don't have a patron is because we're a nonprofit and it gets really weird around nonprofits and patrons. So it's like a lot of people I knew have patrons, um, you know, do that. Here's someone says, I want a pen. I've got pens. I could send them to you. Um, we could start that again. Problem is, is like, I can't pay anybody to do the website. So we can't put pens on the websites, you know, and we can't, you know, the shipping and all that stuff. So we really just need, you know, I mean, it takes support to make support. It's funny when we were doing like most of our like t-shirts and, you know, is when we were doing well and we had this yearly foundational help and people were supporting what we were doing. Um, we we're able to do a lot of that stuff. Um, and stickers as well, you know, we got stickers and stuff like that. Um, you know, we could become a business. I don't know. Um, but we have, rev yeah, some people are saying merchandise, but yeah, we used to have revolution t-shirts and stickers and buttons and magnets. I still have some, 
You know, it's just right now we don't even have, you know, Josh works full time who helps me with all the internet stuff. So it's like, it's really hard for him to get up there and put that stuff up and redo that. So what I'm saying is it takes money to kind of make some of these things happen. You know, you have to order the merchandise and pay for the merchandise. And right now we're not in like no place. Like all I could do is scrape together the few things that we have. Um, but you know, if you, if some of you who like want a pen, want to send me like your address to, um, to the revolution, uh, which is, I think it's like revolution church 94 or something on Instagram. If you want to go to Instagram and send me your address on Instagram and say, I want a pen or I want a sticker, I will do my best to find you a pen and a sticker and put it in an envelope and send it to you. So there you go. And you can give something. And if you give something to the revolution, that would be great. If not, I'll still send it to you. If you send the address, if I have it, um, I took a lot to London and put stickers all over London because I wanted to make us international. All right, so there you go. Let's get into the sermon. I've spent 17 minutes telling you the woes of revolution. Now I want to tell you the good news. The good news. Um, so, doo -doo -doo -doo. Matthew 6, 5. This is Jesus talking. And it goes, and whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and then on the street corners, so they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into a room and shut the door and pray in your father, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles, dang, the gent, I'm a Gentile, <laughs> do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Um, pretty simple, right? Now we're going to get into the Lord's Prayer in a second, and that's what we're going to, we're going to start dissecting. Um, but I like that. You know, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, I don't pray a lot. Um, I've had a lot of just struggles with my faith, a lot of struggles with prayer, but I've also, you know, but lately I have prayed. And, and let me tell you what I've prayed for is, is I've prayed, I've been praying for my buddy Steve who has stage four cancer. Um, and I love him very much. And um, um, an old friend of mine's sister uh, was killed in a car accident just recently. And we touched bases for the first time in a long time, and I prayed for her family. Um, those are kind of the things that I can muster up. I guess that's when I really feel like that's where, I think when I feel most powerless, that's when I, I kind of pray. And, um, but I also pray for wisdom. I also pray for understanding, you know, but I also try to study and read, you know. I, I really do try to do my best to, to bring you guys the best. Um, and, and, and continue to help us all think well and live well with others. Um, so then Jesus says, pray in this way. And he goes, pray in this way, our Father in heaven. Or it would also be Abba. And Abba is an interesting word because Abba is usually what a child would first say. For, like It would be like dad, you know, papa. It would be Abba. And uh, <clears throat> Jesus is really... It, doing something interesting here because he's saying he's saying your whole relationship with God is changing you know you're not killing animals I don't want your sacrifices anymore you know um, I don't want you to fear God in the way that you feared God in the past um, you know, not writing out God's name, not saying these things, you know. Jesus is really doing something radical. I mean, this is like the first Reformation, okay? Jesus is literally like saying like, this is a parental relationship and one that can be good. It doesn't have to be like all the others, you know? And I think that's the thing is a lot of us who've had rough family issues and things like that associate parental names with those things. And Jesus is trying to say it's, it's different. You know, this is someone caring and loving. So it really is radical for the time, you know, any of us who've grown up in the church, though, have heard it so much. I mean, I remember, 
I remember when I was in, um, when we first started Revolution, we worked a lot um, with this group, uh, the Assemblies of God Youth, like mission group called Master's Commission. You know, and we'd, they'd have prayer meetings together and everybody would be like, Father God, Father God, Father God, and Father God, we just ask you, Father God. Or someone would be like, hey, Dad. You know, and it was just like, you know, like fingernails on a scratch board. I got it. It was sweet. They meant well, you know. It's just when you're jaded and been in the church your whole life, you get a little bit weird. Um, but I like I like this prayer. And it's funny that we don't hear it more. Like, we don't hear the the, we don't hear this more. We don't hear the Lord's Prayer more in churches when Jesus like, just pray this way. And we're all like, no, oh, don't worry about it. We got it. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to do it in tongues. You know, we're going to speak your language and we're going to do it for a long time. And it's just interesting that Jesus is like, yeah, just do it. Here's a little prayer for you. And, and honestly, this came up because of uh, my friend who was go suffering this great loss. And I was praying and then I thought about the Lord's prayer. And this is how the Lord's prayer came up to me. And my mind is like, oh, you know, this is, could be something I could just do, even if it's just traditional. Um, but Jesus says, praying this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Give this this day our daily bread. And then remember when we talked about the bread of life last week, about how Dr. King said the bread of life is loving other people. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. This is what the, what I use the NRSV. This is what the NRSV says. Give us, I like forgive us, our, sorry, our, forgive us of our trespasses or forgive us of our sins are the ones I kind of like. But it says forgive us of our debts and what we also have forgiven, okay, and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. So deliver us not into, into uh, temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, give you the more general version that we hear. But forgive of our sins and forgive those who have sinned against us. And what I really was, pow what I think pow is powerful about this is how much, like, Religion in so many ways have became about sin management and like what you can do for God or what God can do for you and all this stuff. And, and I like this <clears throat> idea of that when you're praying for forgiveness, you're also saying, as I forgive others around me, like it's that important. Like I know I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. But it is literally like we are constantly in a moment of forgiveness. That is the interesting thing that keeps me in Christianity. That people say, like, wow, everything you've been through in the church, how do you still believe this stuff? I'm like, well, I don't always believe it. I do struggle with it. But a lot of it always comes back to grace. And grace is what this message is so vital to me. And this idea of forgiveness and this idea of love and this idea of loving enemies and things like that really blows my mind. You know, and that's why I have Dr. King here over here because I, I, I love that message. I, it brings me back. It's this religion that doesn't say destroy them or beat them up. You know, it's not supposed to be a religion that's known for what it's against. You know, it's not a religion that's supposed to be stealing hope away. It's a religion that's saying like, you know, when you pray, ask for forgiveness as you forgive those who've sinned against you. So you're actually praying for your forgiveness and for their forgiveness, but also stating that you have forgiven those people who have trespassed against you, who have sinned against you. Yeah, and this is an interesting way to see it, is their debt. Forgive us our debts and forgive those who are our debtors. I mean, even that's even amazing. Like, you know, like, don't try to get it back. Don't try to, we're going to forgive them. Forgive us our debts we for, as we forgive those who have debted or have debt with us. I mean, that's the hard work, you know. I used to think the hard work was like, don't, don't hang out with secular people and don't listen to music and don't go to rock concerts and, you know, all this silly stuff and vote Republican or if you're progressive, vote blue no matter who, you know, and it's like, oh, this is how I follow God. And this is saying, no, what you want to do is forgive those people that you, you know, asking, ask for forgiveness for yourself. It's there. It's free. You are accepted. And make sure you realize that those other people are there and accepted and help accept them and love them. Because when we have these, when we argue well, or we disagree well, if that's a better term for some of you, I think sometimes when we argue, we argue, we, we speak past each other. We're not thinking of like a, 
like philosophers arguing, we're thinking about like arguments with loved ones or family members or, you know, people like that. We kind of speak at each other. So disagreeing well, I guess we could look at it as saying like where we're having a conversation and we're trying to solve a problem. Um, you know, for us to have that, we have to be in a sense of forgiveness. Um, you know, I was in an argument recently with someone and someone I really cared about, but it was like, we were just speaking at each other. We were both frustrated and there was a lot of pain. And so with that kind of lack of forgiveness, even though like I really wanted it to be there, but with it just not being there, it was really hard to argue well. It was really hard to disagree well. It was really hard to have a conversation. I mean, you know, those moments passed and, and things got settled and it took, you know, a day. But, you know, it takes time for some of that stuff to happen. But how do we get to the point where we can have these conversations? And I think it's remembering and trying to have practice, not just forgiveness to the face, but forgiveness in our own hearts. And I think one way we can do that is remembering that everybody is fighting their own battle. You know, everything is going through it. So like when I, this, so like when I started the service and I started saying like, you know, we haven't, we've brought in like five or $600 in the past three months. Like we're not doing well. You know, I haven't been paid by the church in three months. I mean, thank goodness I have this other job, but it's like, do we need to continue? You know, it, it sharing like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm worried about. You know, you know, I, I get up in the morning and go like, oh, you know, how many more months can I survive doing this? You know, and, and what, what am I going to have to do next? And, and how does the story, you know, I'm struggling, I'm feeling tense. And so when I argue with somebody and I'm going through a lot, sometimes those emotions are there as well of, 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 of feeling insecure about my own place in this world. And so I think if we're able to have that grace and that mercy and we're able to try to at least forgive people in our hearts and not allow uh, the past to dictate how we control it. And really, if we are angry at someone and we are holding resentments towards someone, in a way, one of the cool reasons of letting that go is because in a way they can control us. You know, they kind of, our feelings get manipulated by like, but if we can say, all right, I'm going to let that go. They're living their life. They're daring their own battle. I mean, you don't know how many people are like, you know, oh, they have this great life, but like, are they happy with how they have that great life? Are they happy with what their job's going, what their job looks like? what they have to do every day to maintain that life. Um, you know, people are dealing with stuff. People are going through a lot. This is a very confusing world that we live in right now. A very confusing time. So what I'm, I'm saying is, is maybe if we allow sympathy and if we can even muster up empathy, which is sometimes hard because I feel like, you know, I don't know if it's easy to grasp to feel others' pains. But if we can start to kind of feel these things, not just for those who are poor and suffering and that we can easily see, but even to those who might be in the position of hurting other people and saying, okay, well, what is in their insecurities? What are they afraid of? What are they feel, fit, filling with? You know, sometimes people who are like, we've got to have a bigger military. We've got to have this. They like, they, almost they, philosophy and, and, and psychology would say that they almost fill the lack in their lives with this uncertainty and this fear. And so they have to build on this fear, but that's what gives them joy and pleasure and the unconscious. So their unconscious continues to help them repeat this stuff. And not a lot of people are going to see a psychoanalyst and dealing with their unconscious and dealing with things that they grew up with and, and, and dealing with these battles. So in their mind, you know, they, you know if, if everything was okay the next day and they had the perfect group military and the perfect protection and everybody, they would feel, an emptiness inside and, and have to try to fill that with something else. So often we don't understand is, is that, you know, sometimes the things that we, we, we uh, despise about other people are the things that are kind of motivating them and, and giving them a, a purpose or a reason, you know, a fear. And I think we see on both sides, it's often like losing rights or not having rights or, you know, on both sides. And we kind of live in this kind of constant, like, fear that the other side is going to win. And I think what we have to do is go like, it's not about sides. This is about humanity. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough journey. Empathy is a tough journey. 
um, struggling to love other people is very, very, very tough. And I'm struggling with it too, man. Like I'm struggling with my relationship with my dad right now. You know, it's really bizarre. It's really tough, you know? And I'm talking to you guys about like having disagreeing well and arguing well and giving grace, but I'm not, I'm not always giving grace in that moment. You know, like I'm raising my kids with my ex-wife and sometimes we're not giving each other grace at the moment and we're doing the best we can, but sometimes we get frustrated with each other and it's hard to like practice what you preach. So it's like, I'm not saying that, oh, just go do this and it'll be easy or this is the answer. I'm saying this is the struggle. I, I shared a clip from last week's talk, you know, and saying like, you know, there was a part of my life where I just wanted to see LGBT people free and, 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 and have their, their equal rights and do things. And, you know, we worked on that and worked towards that. And, and it was like a mountain. And then to see that gay marriage became legal. And we still have a long way to go in those areas. But there was enough areas that grew out of that I was really impressed. And then all LGBT people, LGBTQ leaders started having more voices. And I started to realize, okay, well, it's, this straight white male can kind of move on and still be a friend of the community, but I don't have to be their voice because they have their voice now. I don't, you know, I don't need to be talking on their behalf unless they ask me to talk on their behalf. So what's my next journey? And so I've, I was sharing and my next journey this last week with you guys is getting like conservatives and liberals and, and, and helping us disagree well and argue well and, and try to find some common ground and, and try to fix this world through the people, not through depending on politicians. Because I think all these politicians are, are, are being influenced by, you know, power and greed. You know, so how do we do this as people? And someone's like, man, this seems like an impossible situation. You know, but for me, I'm like, well, then that's where I need to be. I need to be in this situations that feel impossible so we can make a change and we can do this. Um, so, <clears throat> And I think of that verse, it says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And when Paul said that, you know, I think you know, he was in prison. And so he was saying, I can do prison. I can do this time. I can do my best to love my enemies through Christ who strengthens me. You know, with this idea of this love that never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstances. Those are Paul's actual words, you know. And so I, I think that's what we're kind of called to do and to in, in, uh, what's the word, what am I looking for uh, to imitate that kind of love and that type of grace. So when we do the Lord's Prayer and we say, forgive us of our sins and forgive those who've sinned against us, that's a real moment. That's a real time of realization. We're really, that's something that's really powerful. And I think to just let it flow off and just skip over the top of our heads is something we've heard forever is a mistake. I think that the, it's important for us to go like, no, obviously our forgiveness is tied to other people's forgiveness. Uh, what Dr. King said, I can't be what I'm supposed to be until you are what you're supposed to be. Um, and do not bring to, okay, so, and forgive us of our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. And then Jesus says this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, I don't think this means that he's saying like, if you're unforgiven, you're gonna burn for eternity. I don't think that's what he's, Jesus is saying here. It's just saying like, you're not going to experience the fruit. If you're not forgiving others, you're holding on to something inside. You're holding on to bitterness. You're allowing those people to still have control of your life and kind of direct your motivation and where you're going. And so it is vital that only do we accept grace and accept that we are accepted, but that we learn how to learn that others are accepted so maybe we can disagree well with others. So maybe we can sit down and have these conversations. Now, is this always going to be possible? I don't think so. And I, sometimes I think that's why it's in the prayer, is to forgive them in a prayer, forgive them from afar, because there's going to be no way to ever have that conversation. And so sometimes the greatest thing we can do is just allow our heart to be freed from hate, from resentment, uh, you know, from anger, and, and not allow that to kind of drive who we are. 
um, you know, when we're, we're, you know, spite voting or spite thinking or spite living and we're living out of spite uh, is no way to live. You know, there's no peace in that. There's no joy in that. And I really do believe that this religion, this Christianity, what Jesus is wanting us to do is, is, is feel those things. Um, and I like the second part here because I think this is interesting because I think it goes along with it in, in, a, in a weird way. Uh, after Jesus says, um, if you don't forgive others, neither will your father forgive you. He goes, and whatever you, whenever you fast, do not look dismalled, disheveled, like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so they show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is like virtue signaling. He's saying, don't virtue signal. You know, don't go out and make, oh, I'm suffering for the fight, you know, or you, know, you don't have to, you don't need to virtue signal. You know, what's important is that you're accepting forgiveness, forgiving others, and you can do things and help others without having to be like, oh, you know, so, so often we like to virtue signal our, our way of, of, of being, you know? I mean, I've been accused of virtue signaling a lot. I had somebody say that I lived in, a, in affordable housing because I was virtue signaling and that I could move out anytime I wanted. And I had a progressive pastor accuse me of this on Facebook and I was just like losing my mind. Like, I was like, what? Like, and to me, what it says is that there's a, is there a projection there? <laughs> you know, maybe this person, that's what they do in their life, so they automatically think that that's something that I would do in my own life. I don't know. Um, but we just have to live life and live life on our, ourselves. And, and, and so I think this idea of, of, of living life and, and not virtue signaling, but forgiving others and loving others and being a safe person for people to come to and disagree well with. Um, I remember when I used to go to Cornerstone, and this was way before I became out of as an affirming pastor. pastor um, you know, LGBTQ folks would find me and talk with me and spend some of the festival with me, and we would hang out and talk and chat, and because it was I was safe. There was a safe person to talk to, someone who did not resent them or someone who did not demand that they change or demand all that. It was just there was a safe place to be. And I think that's what we need to be as those type of people to be like, hey, you know, you know, so when I would go to some of these conservative churches, some of these pastors would come to me and say, like, I don't know, if, you know, if there's a hell, I don't know what I believe anymore. And they knew that I was someone who they could speak to and that I wasn't going to go out and be like, oh, guess what pastor such and such said, you know, or, or anything like that. But, that, you know, that there was a safe place to have doubt. There was a safe place to be who you really were. And I've always felt grateful for that because I believe that's something that my mom always gave, you know, really passed on to me as well, is, is being a place where people can come and be who they are uh, w w without judgment, you know? And, th and that's not always easy, you know? It's not really always easy for me because I, I can be a judgmental bastard sometimes and I have to back up and go like, Ugh. You know, because sometimes I have to remember like the stuff I'm studying and the stuff I'm reading and I'm listening to philosophy and I'm reading philosophy and I'm, I'm, I'm reading psychology and listening to psychiatry, you know, psychology uh, tapes and things like this and learning things about people and our unconscious and things like I'm like, no, everybody's studying that. You know what I mean? So it's like I can't expect them to be where I'm at because they're not doing the same things that I'm doing. So like I can't hold people up to an impossible standard or to my standard, because my standard is a different standard. Like, I have time to read these books and study these things and look into those things, you know, because this is my job, and I take my job seriously. But not everybody's job is this. Some people, you know, have other jobs and do other things and are living life in a different way and seeing things a little bit more in a black and white sense. So my job isn't to judge people who see things in a black and white sense. My just is to sit down and say, hey, there's other ways to think. There's other ways to do this. And I think that's why I find like this collection of writings very important, you know? And um, someone asked if my mother um, did that after what the scandal, but no, my mom always loved people that way before that. Both of my parents really did, you know? I mean, I remember my parents always opening their homes to people who were going through controversies, even big pastors who were going through divorces. My dad would have them on the show and things like that. So for me, 
um, it was, it was, you know, it, it was always this thing of always putting, you know, loving people, you know, really loving people. So I think like when my dad used to say, and I think he might still say it, I haven't watched any of his new stuff, but he used to say, God loves you, he really does. And that was the point. You know, I was like, you're loved. You really are. And, um, and living in that. Um, like this, let, let, let's look at Luke's, um, sorry, Matthew 7 for a second. And, and people will find other verses to, dis, to, to argue with this one, and that's fine. Um, I'm used to it because people love to judge because thinking is difficult. Um, I, I think it was Jung who said that. Um, but here in uh, Matthew 7, it says, Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be measured to get. What, you, what do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or, ha, or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take that speck out of your eye while the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take this speck out of your neighbor's eye. So there are times where we just have to allow that speck to sit in our neighbor's eye because we might have this giant log and this giant log might be just judgmental son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just a judgmental bastard and blah, blah, blah. And look at that, I'm speck. You know, I'm gonna point out all these specks. Well, that guy looks like he has a log too, you know? And this idea is like, work on yourself. You know, help, you know, so for me, understanding grace, understanding acceptance has helped me to not only help me live better, but help me see people in a different way. Not perfectly. I still can be very judgmental at times. But it has allowed me at least to within that a, a moment in time to start to go, oh, I might be judging this person because I'm seeing something about myself and them that I don't like. And oof, you know. Um, so it, it's tough, you know. It, it's tough because... I think too, what we often want to do is we want to like give special things to special groups and, and special people and say, well, these people must really have it together or they're going through a lot, so they must have it together. You know, but we've got to remember people are people and we all have struggles. We all have, you know, no one has all the answers. Um, just because I suffered the way I suffered is, you know, I will tell you this, like I come from a family that's of, of divorce and, and weird stuff and fallen mega church pastors, you know what? And I will tell you, uh, the majority of all the other pastor's kids that I know who have like parents who preach like Trump stuff and and um, gone through all this, I, I, st I have a different way of looking at it than most of them. Like to me, what I've used it to do is try to reach out to like when, I remember when people were attacking Mark Driscoll's ch kid, son, and making fun of something that he'd said about his son. And I really related to that, obviously. And I said, hey, you know, the kids are kind of off boundaries. Like, he's trying to say that this is freaking his son out. Like, this controversy is making his son nervous, that these reporters are scaring his kid. You know, I think we can have some human grace there for that moment. You know, I think we can see that, oh, you know, this guy who we don't agree with and preaches all this really crazy crap is still a dad. Oh, no, look, now I have common ground. Now I have common ground with somebody that I can speak to, and maybe we can speak about other things. For like people always say, well, why don't you just completely cut your dad out of your life and, and denounce him and things like that. But there was a time where me and my father were able to have tough conversations and argue well and disagree well. And, uh, and I don't want to give that up. That's why I don't like canceling people. I don't like this cutting people off. You know what I mean? Because I don't believe if I cut someone off, I don't believe the, the chance, because people talk about, well, what about justice, Jay? What about justice? And both sides talk about justice, you know? And what about just? What about it? It's got to be just. Well, if I cut that other person off, if I just humiliate that person from afar, there will be no justice from me. I have to go in and help develop that justice. That justice has to come through conversation, through saying, hey, this is something you're doing. Even if they don't recognize it, there's still a bit more justice if we're able to have that conversation and bring up the issue and the disagreement or the trespass, if you will, or the debt and say, hey, there's a debt here, there's a trespass here, you know, and at least make it clear and known for a need for justice. Otherwise, we just go away, you know, 
And it's really not up to us what they do with that justice, if it's restorative or not. But for us is that we did it in a way of love and grace. It, it, that's what the Bible says going, when you correct someone, do it out of love and grace. Make sure you have the right words and the answers and you know what you're doing and make sure you do it out of a heart of love and out of grace. Um, and compassion, you know, when you humbly and gently restore someone is, is, is what it says in Galatians. So we have to keep these things in mind, you know, um, because we're not playing any part of restoration when we just go, Phoom. and you might just say, well, Jay, it's, uh, there's certain people I have to go Phoom to, you know, I get that. You know, that's that whole like praying instead of going to. But maybe, you know, how good is the good news of the people who bring the feet of the people who bring, how beautiful are the feet of the people who bring the good news? is like maybe sending people that way, you know, maybe saying like, I can't have this conversation, but you know them. I mean, you know, there's different ways of communicating and loving people. And it's complicated, but that's what we're trying to work out here in this community. That's why I want this community to be people from all different walks of politics and faith and belief systems and no faith and all this stuff coming together and finding common ground and disagreeing well. I mean, that's how we grow, you know? It's like my best friend, uh, Pete, who just moved back to Ireland, we don't always agree on everything, man. We have like some really stomp down hard conversations about things, you know? And we hurt each other's feelings at times, you know? And then we have to have conversations and talk to each other about that, you know? But that's kind of the beauty of things is that I find growth in those moments. So there's always, I feel like there's always grace, even grace when I like hit my head against somebody and go like, hey, you know what? This relationship isn't working right now, you know, because I've hit a road. So sometimes there is a time to be quiet and shut your mouth and cut them off and just say this right now, I can't do this. And sometimes that speaks louder than words. Sometimes that moment of saying like, and then they go, why aren't you speaking to it? Why aren't we doing it? You know, they go, well, listen, I felt hurt in the past and I've got to have boundaries to protect myself. And when we're together, I feel hurt. I don't feel protected. I don't feel cared for, you know, and I don't feel, I feel judged. I feel hurt. I feel less than, you know, and communicating that to someone. So that's part of this. I mean, this is, I know that these might sound like simple things, but they're not things that we're obviously not practicing in culture today with social media and things like that. You know, I, I, it's, it's just strange to watch people like, you know, I think, um, oh, what's the guy's name who does the Teslas and the, owns Twitter right now? Um, Elon, you know, and everybody's like, oh, he's evil and I'm leaving this thing and oh, I'm done and oh my God, I can't believe how horrible this guy is and, you know, and, and not a lot of us are talking about Instagram and Facebook and that billionaire who's just really quiet. Now, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit more nervous about somebody who's really quiet than someone who's saying kind of silly, dumb stuff every now and then. You know, like someone who's kind of like out of wits, like, I don't know what to do because everybody's talking to me. Like, yeah, of course you don't. You know, you've got it coming from every other angle and you're probably, and it doesn't, and you're not really handling it well, you know, but then there's the other person who's like just quiet, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe we should also be worried about the quiet person as well. You know, maybe these are things that we should be talking about, you know. Um, maybe we should be talking about like not just the layoffs at, at Twitter, but the layoffs at Amazon and the layoffs at Facebook and all these things that happen. But we see, we just seem to want to like focus into what the media is saying or what people are talking about and what's the gossip is of the time rather than going like, okay, we're just going to judge this one person, even though there's people like here, here and here doing the same thing, but they're just being quiet. So there you go. You know, um, someone just said, Elon Musk is great, get rid of wokeness. And that's what's cool about this community here, is that I know some of you celebrate wokeness, and I know some of you have nothing to do with wokeness, and I think there's a great conversation to be had there, because I think a lot of wokeness has become very judgmental and very hurt, hurtful and very, like, us against them, very, reminds me of a lot of charismatic Christians in the 80s and 90s, and we need to confront that. But we also need to confront a lot of the stuff that our conservative friends say who are hurting our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, who are causing, uh, sowing discord. But I think we're sowing discord from both sides now. So I think that's even why, hey, it's time for us to be the, you know, unsowers of discord. You know, us being the bringing grace, bringing peace, bringing love, bringing tough conversations. Um, so maybe it's not always bringing peace, 
but it's at least bringing conversations with each other. So you have all this kind of stuff going on and, and different ways of looking at it. So it's like, how do you see it, you know? So there you go, you know? Those are different ways to, to, to deal with this stuff. Um, but I like this, this part is, is, you know, I remember when I used to hear people say, you know, you will, you will give, you will measure your, what you get. And people would use that for like raising funds, you know, like, um, but what it's saying is, is like, give a lot of forgiveness or you have place for forgiveness. You know, I felt like that's why I was always able to do very similar to what my mother did, especially in the early 2000s is, you know, when my band, I was in a band for a while and we play at all these bars and sometimes people in the bars who work there or were hanging out at the show would say, hey, listen, I'm not a big prayer, but would you pray for me? Or, hey, I've got a question for you, you know? And then also saying I could go to these churches and the pastor would be like, hey, I'm really struggling with this idea of hell or grace. Or someone would be like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm LGBTQ and I don't know what to do, you know? And I don't feel, you know, and I always felt like so grateful that I was able to walk into these places and be seen as someone who was a safe person, as someone who was a safe place. And, um, and I th I'm, I'm hoping that that's what we grow out of this community is that we're people that allow our conservative neighbors and our liberal neighbors to be able to come to us and have these conversations. And that maybe we help these conversations get a little bit more out of, out of the private sector <laughs> and into the world, you know? And I think we're starting to slowly see some of that happen. You know, um, a friend of mine shared uh, this thing about like, oh, if only women were in leadership, you know, it's this Instagram thing, the world would be fine. And then it showed all these different women in leadership that weren't that great and went to war and did things like that. Now, I, I reposted it because I thought it was interesting, but I also thought it was because it just says that we're human beings. People are people, you know, and we often want to separate people by gender and by identity and by race. And then and I, I think there's a reasons that we all have different belief, different ways. I think women are different than men in some ways. And I think culturally we're all different than each other in some ways, but ultimately we're all humans and we all fall short. We all have life. We're all going through pain. We're all experiencing this human experience and realizing like, you know, there's no silver bullet here. The silver bullet is doesn't work. Like we have to work hard to build community. We have to work hard to work with one another. We have to work really hard to have difficult conversations, to have tough conversations, to argue well requires work. It reminds me when I told Pete, I'm like, oh, you should do this introductory book to radical theology. And he goes, Joe, you, there's just no easy way to do it. And he's like, you have to put in the work. And I'm like, well, and he's like, and look, you've put in the work. You've read Hegel, you've read Caputo, you've read these, you've read my books, you know what I mean? Like you had to, to put the work in sometimes to make these things worthy. So what we have to do is find a passion for forgiving our enemies. We have to find a passion for forgiving our debtors. We've out, we want our debt forgiven and then we gotta find it. And that's when I'm, I've, I've spent most of my life with this kind of passion of seeing restoration happen. Um, redemption happen with us as human beings and not allowing the social media gods or the politicians control and keep us divided you know, and I'm not allowing some sort of like, you know, belief system keep us divided. I hate that Christianity has been used to do that for so long, you know, but I also hate that I'm seeing other communities that I really love using their, their different aspects to keep us divided. You know, it's like this, this, this isn't working. Like if we all just stay in our own little group and we don't venture out, things don't change. The world doesn't change, um, you know, Dr. King knew that like he had to do the poor people's campaign because he knew like poverty was a huge issue as much as an issue of race in this country and that it needed to be also confronted. And we have to go out there and confront these issues and have the conversations about these issues and not just sit in our own little think tank and our own little group. Um, I'm gonna jump back to Matthew five for a second and then we'll end this thing because we've been going forever. Um, you have heard that it was said to those ancient times, you shall not murder 
And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift of the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and sister, then come offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him. Your accuser may hand you over to the judge and judge you to the guard, to the guard and they will throw you into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So what, you know, so Jesus is changing the law, changing the rule again, changing things by saying, your sacrifice, great. You know, I appreciate it. But if you've got something against somebody or someone's got something against you, go make it right. You know, if you run into your accuser on the way to the judge, try to have a conversation. Try to disagree well. Try to argue well. Try to find a solution. And I think that's what we're called to do. I think, like, if Christianity is anything, it's finding a solution. It's learning to forgive each other. Um... You know, it's learning to embrace contradiction. Um, it's learning to live with the absence that there's not going to be any perfect thing that's going to fill this 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 absence in us, this, this space in us. Is 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 that we've got to learn to live with that, live in the tension sometimes, and um, you know, stop trying to fill the void with stuff or with perfect answers or things like that. But learning to live life on life's terms, and that's a big part of sobriety is learning to live life on life's terms. And life's terms says there's gonna need to be some compromise every now and then. There's gonna be to need some tough conversations every now and then. Um, there's gonna be need for forgiveness from afar and there's gonna be need for reconciliation close up that's not gonna be easy and cozy and comfortable all the time. Um, but that's what love really is. That's when you're called to love and when you're called to love your neighbor and called to love each other, that's something that's really big. There's your sacrifice. You know, so now really the sacrifice isn't the sacrifice anymore. What Jesus is saying is the real sacrifice, the real thing, the real work is having peace and making peace with those around you. And so I, I know it seems impossible in this world we're in right now, but I've lived long enough to know that the things move and flow and go and do, new groups come in to influence and other groups go away. And, you know, the voice of today is maybe not the voice of tomorrow. And so what we want to do is just say, hey, let's just try to be solid through these shifts and these changes and these different times and, and hope for peace, hope for joy, hope for living well and um, living life on life's terms, you know, not looking for the euphoria or like, you know, we're going to find like heaven here on earth, you know, but we're going to do our best to end suffering for ourselves and for others. But that comes from really having a forgiving heart and learning to communicate, even when you can't. Like, even when, like, if you, even if it's just you saying, you make me feel this way, and the person goes, like, I don't give a shit. You've planted a seed, you've said what you said. Move on and see, maybe something bloom out of that. Maybe something beautiful will come out of that. Maybe reconciliation will come out of that. So, that's, that's the talk today. And, um, like I said before, you know what we're considering. If you didn't catch the beginning of the talk, uh, go. You can go back and listen to it. Um, you know, uh, if you can support what we're doing, I just revolution's just if revolution's got to survive financially. And if we can't survive financially, then it might be time for me to just move to something else. And I don't know what that is right now. Um, but that's that's just here. That's clear. That's me being honest with you, and that's me having the tough conversation because I don't like raising funds. Um, so, like I said before, if you want a button or something, you can send me your address uh, to the, the Revolution Instagram, and uh, we can, uh, I can send you a button um, or a sticker. If we ha I'll go through all the stuff that I have here. But thanks, everybody, for listening today and being part of this. And uh, look forward to uh, hopefully speaking with you next week. And uh, as we, oh, I can't believe December's almost here. I'm going to be 47. Ah, on the 18th, I will be 47 years old. That's wild. 
um, I didn't think I was supposed to get old. And I guess that's part of it. All right, everybody. You're loved. Um, love each other. You're accepted. Work on that with others. Thank you. Have a great week. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.